Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 74 of Musically Challenged, your heaping helping of music, trivia, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Chad Knight, and with me, as always, is Lou Schwalbach. Good evening, sir. It's about that time of year again. It's the approximate middle of the summer when something's always being grilled, pools or lakesides are packed, and stores selling gallons of sunscreen and beer, seemingly, by the minute. Then we, as everyday citizens, need to prep ourselves for the nocturnal explosions that light up the sky for at least one night, and after said night, the EERs need to prep themselves for the inflow of missing fingers and toes due to a higher than average number of, here, hold my beer, injuries. That's right, it's the 4th of July. What better way to help celebrate our American Independence Day than to talk about patriotic music? Absolutely. This week, we're going to fill your ear holes with some... Music that in some way, shape, or form sticks out to us as being patriotic. We're not going to limit our genres here, so it could be a march, a rock song, a country ballad. Regardless, it's sure to be something that means patriotism to one or both of us. So put on your red, white, and blue apparel, fire up the Weber, and make sure your ones are ice cold as we get the show started. How's it going, sir? It's going pretty well. How about yourself? Well, you know, I can't complain. Um... I have a bit of a back issue going on right now. Okay, well, sorry to hear that. it doesn't stop me from recording because I get to sit on my ass. And drink. And drink. <laughs> so, you know, if anything, that might help. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it may relax the muscles in my back. And, hey, I think drinking's a good idea. All right, so why don't we go ahead and get that started then? All right, so this week, I, I want a little different. We usually do beer or hard liquor or something like that. We've done ciders before, though. We've done ciders, yeah. But this is one from... Captain's Walk Winery in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. My wife and I happened to be over in Green Bay a few weeks ago, and we picked up a bottle of their cherry apple cider. Now, this stuff is gluten-free, and the little house that they use as a as a storefront... It's adorable. It's pretty damn did cool. You, did you go in the tasting room with, like, the floor that had the glass thing on it? Yep. That yeah. was cool as hell. Yeah, it was. So, you know, I don't know what the percentage is on this, because it doesn't tell us. But it, oh, I guess it does. It says contains alcohol not to exceed seven percent. Okay, so it's six point nine 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 nine. Could be, and I'd be okay with that. I would too. All right, so there's going to be no clinking because we're using plastic cups this Correct. time. Correct. And like I said, it's a it's an apple cherry, so it's apple cider, hard apple cider infused with you know cherry. And because we're in the Door County area, correct. That's probably I think they're Door County cherries. Too. I believe they are. So yeah. they're going to be a little bit tarter than usual, I believe. I, we can hope. All right. Because, you know, apple juice and marchino cherry juice, not really something I'd look forward to. That'd be a little too sweet, I think. Well, yeah, marchino cherry juice would be just like, like, isn't that basically just water and sugar? Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, let's give this a shot here, man. Uh, All right. Cheers. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Now, that is really good. Now, we've, mm -hmm. I know... You and your wife introduced my wife and I to this, mm -hmm. 
not to this particular flavor, but it, we've done we've done the bourbon flavor. Mm-hmm. We've done the maple flavor. Oh, that's good stuff. The maple flavor was really good, but this cherry stuff, I really like this. I'm getting a little bit of a back end of cherry. It's more apple than anything else, but yeah. it's still very good. And on a warm day, this is just this is dangerous. On a warm day, on a hot day, on a cold day, middle of winter, on a Thursday, <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, this, but yeah, this is dangerous though. This this could get you in trouble. Oh yeah, without even without even realizing it. I mean, I mean that container you had that growler that's there. I mean, I could probably chug that thing, but then like, probably about maybe 15 minutes later, I'd be like, what are we doing? <laughs> It'd be like my birthday all over again. Now remember, we're not doing that until I don't know when did we decide to do that. It's the summer, the summer, summer, right? Yeah. Around a campfire. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, if we can get Scott in on that. Hey, you know, this stuff is gluten-free. It is. And we did talk about having a, you know, the couple get-together. Right. <laughs> get the couple get-together, get him all loaded so she's got to drive home. Well, we got to get approval from someone first. Well, this is true. And I have a feeling that if, I'm just saying, if she were to drive home, he probably would hear about it a little bit. Yeah, maybe. And I, and I wouldn't want to do that to Unless him. we get approval. This is true. So, we'll, we'll have to work that <laughs> a angle. A signed contract. A signed contract. <laughs> Scott is safe. Lou and Chad, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and uh, rate this thing. All right. I'm going to say up. I'm going to say up. I think that one's pretty easy. If you like hard cider, go find the Captain's Walk. It's in Old Town. Yeah. So you may have to Google it or whatever map program you use. Yeah. But it's absolutely worth it. Absolutely. It's amazing. And now something that's not quite as amazing... Lou's going to ask me a trivia question. Yes. And he's going to say it has something to do with today's topic, but he's going to lie about that. Nope, actually I'm not, because this is actually something that is about music, and it's about patriotism. Okay. Because I'm fucking awesome that way. And there's my first swear. All right, so the Star-Spangled Banner, the national anthem of the United States of America, has lyrics based on a poem titled Defense of Fort McHenry, or Fort Mahenry, actually. Yep, Mahenry, yep. Who wrote the poem? Really? Are you saying really because this is too easy or really because you don't know? Really because it's too easy. You piss and moan that I make them too hard and then I throw you an underhand one and then you piss and moan about that. I'm not pissing and moaning. I'm just saying. Do you need me to repeat the question? I don't, but why don't you repeat it for people out there? So, the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem of the U.S., has lyrics based on a poem titled Defense of Fort McHenry. Who wrote the poem? All right. We will answer. I will give you my correct answer at the end of the show. And I will go ahead and get what the past numbers were so that we can... 24 and 23. You can check me, but I'm right. No, you... I'm not giving you a point for that one, by the Damn way. Damn it! So... And there's my first swear-ish. <laughs> swear-ish like if you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. That's like it's like the first time you say damn in front of your parents, you're like... Oh! Or you say hell. Hell was another one. It's like, yeah. oh, hell. And then your parents look at you and they kind of chuckle. Show your fucking mouth. <laughs> All right, so do you want to start this one? No. Okay, then I will. Okay, good. So we're going to go ahead and start off with America the Beautiful by Ray Charles. Okay. So this is a song that was written by two different people who had never met. Um, Organist Samuel A. Ward composed a piece called Materna for the hymn O Mother Dear Jerusalem in 1882, and later in 1895, Catherine Lee Bates, a Wellesley College instructor, wrote the lyrics for it. Together it was published in 1910 and is one of the most popular and patriotic songs in the U.S. 
The song itself has been recorded many times in different genres. Bing Crosby did a medley of it on his 1961 101 Gang Songs. Gang Songs? Yeah. The Dictators did a punk version in 1976. And a bunch of country all-stars, including Trace Adkins, Vince Gill, Toby Keith, Kenny Rogers, and a bunch of others, did a rendition in July of 2001 and got a revival later after the terrorist attacks. Now, the most popular and best, in my opinion, is this version that we'll be listening to right now. Oh, beautiful, far heroes proved In liberating strife Now, this one is Ray Charles doing his deep soul, just perfect voice, and recorded it in 1976 for the U.S. Bicentennial. It peaked at number 98 on the R&B charts and was included in the classic baseball movie, The Sandlot. I love this song. It's just a perfect rendition that really makes you be proud to be from this country, and Charles's voice is just incredible. I got nothing, nothing else to say about it. You know, and I said that the voice of Ray Charles brings the full potential of this song to the front. I like the organ used in the song, and Ray, man, Ray is a showman from the start to the finish of the song. The song gets me right in the feels, though. It's a discussion of our country from coast to coast in a way that only Ray could really do it. And I don't mean that he wrote the words or anything like that, but there's just something about the way he... He just made it his own. Yeah, he made it his own, and he made it something that just makes you think, you know... It's good not only to be an American from, you know, center of the country, but anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. So, yeah, I mean, really like the song. Really love Ray Charles' voice. And the two of them mesh on this perfectly. All right. So what do you got for number two? Your number right. one, but number two. I'm going to go really basic God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood. It's an American patriotic song written and recorded by Lee Greenwood and is considered to be his signature song. The first album it appeared on is 1984's You've Got a Good Love Coming. It reached number 7 on the Billboard magazine Hot Country Singles chart when originally released in the spring of 1984 and was played at the 1984 Republican National Convention with President Ronald Reagan and First Lady Nancy Reagan in attendance. But the song gained greater prominence during the Gulf War in 1990 and 91 as a way of boosting morale. The popularity of the song rose sharply after September 11 attacks and during the 2003 invasion of Iraq, and the song was re-released as a single, re-entering the country music charts at number 16 and peaking at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 pop chart in 2001. The song was also re-recorded in 2003 and released as God Bless the USA 2003. Let's take a listen. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't the men who died who gave that right to me and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today so I really like this song no scratch that I love this song Lee Greenwood so beautifully put together this song for us to remember that no matter what happens in our personal lives we are Americans and that means we are free and that many men put their lives on the line for our freedom and that, you know, the freedoms that we take for granted. I, am, I too, am proud to be an American. I was taught very young to respect the flag, the country, and be grateful for the freedoms that caused many families to put their children, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, daughters, into the ground. I get choked up when we talk about these things, but they are so important. 
remove your hat, forget your phone, your personal problems, and look at that symbol of our freedoms and sing the song. And respect those who died so you could enjoy your freedoms. What do you think, Lou? You know, and I just wanted to throw in here, uh, men and women service people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the, not just the men who died. There's a lot of women out there who did that too. And I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to cut you off or anything on that one, but there's a lot of ladies out there that well, do that as well. Well, that's why I said so. oh, wives, daughters. daughters. I, I, I get it. I'm just saying. <laughs> so the song was written way back in the 80s, which I was a little surprised by because it seemed like it really didn't rise to prominence until the wars, the Gulf War, September 11, etc. Um, I guess it was really popular live. Yeah. But then, like, it wasn't really a hit, per se. And then... We had some. We had that terrorist attack, and it all of a sudden became everything red, white, and blue, and that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, it got a new lease on life. It's one of the most well-known songs that's out there, and they actually made it into a children's book. Really? They made this song into a children's book, and this one has been known to move people to tears. I know I've, if I've been in a mood and this song comes on, it'll kind of get me in the feels. Oh, absolutely. So I would, I would concur with everything else you had to say as well. All right. So what do you got next, man? Next, we're going to go a little bit um, kind of hardcore compared to country, and that's uh, some Don't Tread on Me by Metallica. You know, and this is a track off of 1991's Metallica, a.k.a. the Black Album. It starts off with the phrase from West Side Story, the, uh, Song America, which you did You did um, a lot of theater stuff. I, I mean, did. did. I you... never did West Side Story, no. But I'm sure you know the song. I'm sure oh, almost yeah. everybody knows I know the, the story, yeah. And it lyrically it refers to a lot of U.S. history. The first line, "Liberty or death," what we so proudly we what we so proudly hail, is a reference to Patrick Henry's "Give me liberty or give me death." The lyric to secure peace is to prepare for war points at the Latin phrase "civis passum parabellum." I probably said that completely wrong, but I don't care. Which translates to "If you want peace, prepare a war." Which, interestingly enough, a parabellum is a type of cartridge for a firearm. Correct. And that's just I'm just looking at that going, huh. Nice. It's a really unique cartridge, though. At nine millimeter. Yeah, but they don't. They don't. They were put together differently. I just saw something on a on a History Channel documentary about how they're actually quite an odd type of bullet. Right. Now the song itself is definitely pro-America. James Hetfield stated it was a reaction to the anti-American tone of "And Justice for All," which was another great album, though. This is the other side of that. America is a fucking good place. I definitely think that even with all the bad fucked up shit, it's still the most happening place to hang out. This is a quote. That's not my words. <laughs> and to all those reading into it, the song isn't pro-war or anti-war. James just replied, don't tread on me was one of those don't fuck with us songs. Pretty, oh, much, yeah. pretty much sums it up. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick listen to it. I, I really enjoy this one. This is one of those... Metallica is a, a a perfect album for listening to start to finish. You don't really have to skip anything. And this is, I want to say, one of the last tracks on the album. Okay. And I love this song. This is one of my favorites. I know everybody likes Sandman. Everybody likes Sad But True and Unforgiven. This is one of my favorites. Fair so, enough. What do you got? So the minute you hear the phrase, don't tread on me, the Gadsden flag comes to mind. You know that yellow flag with the rattlesnake mm-hmm. on it? And, of course, the words don't tread on me below. This song just reminds us that America doesn't strike first, but once you engage her, she will not allow you to tread on her. So the flag was used in the American Revolution. 
how much more patriotic can you get? No shit. And I think if I remember my history right, didn't Ben Franklin actually say that the rattlesnake was a good symbol for the U.S.? I don't think it was Franklin. Franklin was the turkey guy. He also said something. I thought he said something. Oh, he might about, have, but I, the I've always too. known him. He wanted the national bird to, to be, be the, the turkey. Yes, I remember that as well, and that's just hilarious, actually. So you know, if if this flag was good enough for the Continental Marines, I say it's good enough for us. I would agree with that. And like you said, great song. It's heavy. It's not patriotic in the way that you think of a lot of the very robust patriotism songs right right but it is very patriotic i would absolutely agree with that all right so what do you got for number two for you well this is the only one on my list that i might consider not necessarily patriotic but has to do with america so that's american pie it's a song by american singer and songwriter don mclean recorded and released on the american pie album in 1971 the single was number one u.s hit for four weeks the song was listed as number five song on the RIAA Project Songs of the Century. A truncated version of the song was covered by Madonna in 2000 and reached number one in several countries. Why? I don't know. Because anything Madonna does, people buy. I like Madonna. Don't get me wrong. But that I like song, old Madonna. That song blew. That was awful. That's why it was one of our bad covers. The, re- the repeatedly mentioned phrase, the day the music died, refers to the plane crash in 1959, which killed early rock and roll performers Buddy Holly, The Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. The meaning of the other lyrics has long been debated, and for decades, McLean declined to explain the symbolism behind the many characters and events mentioned. However, the overall theme of the song is the loss of innocence of the early rock and roll generation, as symbolized by the plane crash, which claimed the lives of three of its heroes. In February 2015, McLean announced he would reveal the meaning of the lyrics to the song when the original manuscript went for auction in New York City in April 2015. The lyrics and notes were auctioned on April 7th and sold for $1.2 million. In the sale catalog notes, McLean revealed the meaning of the song's lyrics. Basically, in American Pie, things are headed in the wrong direction. It is becoming less idyllic. I don't know what whether you consider that wrong or right, but it is a morality song in a sense. The catalog confirms some of the better-known references in the song lyrics, including mentions of Elvis Presley, the king, and Bob Dylan, the jester, and confirmed that the song culminates with the near-verbatim description of the death of Meredith Hunter at the Altmont Free Concert ten years after the plane crash that killed Holly, Valens, and Richardson. In 2017, McLean's original recording was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress as being, quote, culturally, historically, or artistically significant. Let's take a listen. But I knew I was out of luck the day the music died. I started singing bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Okay, this is a long, long song. It's not so much patriotic as it is about American society. For an artist to be touched so strongly at the age of 13 that he would grow up to sing a song about the decline of the America he knew and to use it as a statement to try to get his fans to turn things around is almost as patriotic as the other songs we talk about today. Just my two cents. Thoughts? 
All right. Well, you know, you really tapped on a lot of the things that I had on here. I mean, it did have some roots in Sgt. Pepper, the innocence of the 50s turning into the finger quotes, turbulent 60s in music, music and politics. And it's just a good song. I mean, even if you don't read really into it, it's it's a good song. I mean, I'd, I would agree as far as not really being 100% about the patriotism of it, but I mean, I do understand the cultural significance of the song itself. Right. And I even put on here, we're not going to talk again about that Madonna travesty, but we did anyways. No, um... It's a good song. I really don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's not one that really gets you in the feels. No. It's And it's not one that you're going to play at your barbecue. But if it comes on, you're not going to turn it off. Right. All right, so what do you got next? Next, we've got just simply America by Neil Diamond. So this patriotic song, also known as Coming to America or They're Coming to America, was written for and released on the 1980 soundtrack The Jazz Singer. Neil Diamond himself starred in the movie as a Jewish guy who's going against his dad's wishes to follow his dreams and become a musician. Diamond's grandparents were immigrants from Poland and Russia, so this song was very personal for him to write. It was a tribute to immigrants from all over the world coming to America to seek opportunity. Like many songs, this one took new life after September 11th, and the song was modified just a little bit when he played it live. Instead of their coming to America, he sang Stand Up for America, which I find pretty cool. He's not really known for being one that brings people together, but in this way, he did a good job on that one. I'm not a huge Neil Diamond fan. I'm, I will freely admit that I'm a Greatest Hits person, and that's very loosely said Greatest Hits, like maybe three or four songs. But this is one of those. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen, then we'll hear what you have to say about it. Everywhere around the world They come to America Every time that flag's unfurled They come to America Got a dream All right, so it's just a song about a proud American or being one of those lucky ones who came to America, to this country through Ellis Island and the other ports of entry. The pride and love for a new country, the best country for them to live out their dreams, the American dream. And no, I don't mean Dusty Roads either. The country is a giant melting pot and we all think of it as home and we think of it as the greatest country in the world. No arguments for me. Now, about the song itself, I've never been a big fan of this song, or Neil Diamond in general. But I do understand where the patriotism is behind this, mm -hmm. and it's fine and all that. I just, now, it's a pretty meh song for me. It's really not the style of stuff I really listen to. Right. But that being said, you know, I'm sorry, but and this is a little segue here. How cool would it have been to be coming off a boat... In the term, whenever that came out, and just seeing the Statue of Liberty and all this other stuff, stepping on foot to this land. I mean, honestly, if I had a time machine, that would be absolutely something I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would probably take a pass on that whole Titanic thing, but, you know, I'd be okay with the boat to Ellis Island. There you go. There you go. So what do you got next? Up next, I've got Arlington. So Arlington is a song written by Jeremy Spillman and David Turnbull and recorded by American country music artist Trace Atkins. It was released in June 2005 as the second single from his album Songs About Me. The song reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks chart. It is sung from the viewpoint of a soldier, killed in battle and buried at Arlington National Cemetery. It was inspired by the United States Marine Corps Corporal Patrick Nixon, who died in battle in 2003. After meeting Nixon's father, Turnbull was inspired to write the song. Atkins said that, quote, This is not a war song, and it has nothing to do with politics. This is a true story. 
Let's take a listen. I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best company. I'm thankful for those, thankful for the things I've done. I can rest in peace. I'm one of the chosen ones. I made it to Arlington. So straight up, this is a hard song for me to listen to. Arlington is sung from the viewpoint of a soldier, killed in battle and buried at Arlington National Cemetery. It just kind of makes me misty just talking about it, that someone who died in combat would or could be happy to be laid to rest because he died in service to his country. There was a time in high school when I wanted to join the Marines, but unfortunately, due to the fact that I'm diabetic, they don't let you in the service. It just makes me know how thankful that I am my brother, who saw combat in the first Iraqi war, came home alive. I don't always get along with him, but I am always thankful that he came home. I don't have much more to say. What about you, Lou? Getting with the brother thing, that's just like my, my mother used to always say, I don't always like you, but I'll always love you. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I even wrote for this song here, wow, just wow. I mean, the song is sung from the soldier that, that died and was buried. It's about the simple sacrifice, not simple, but about it's simply about the sacrifice that many soldiers have made and will continue to make to keep our great nation free. And this is a feels song. Oh, Holy absolutely. God, is this a feels song. You know, and, and the, the thing about it is, is not only will they make this sacrifice, a lot of them are willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't realize it, you don't think about it when you're signing up. I mean, long gone are the days of the draft. When people just right. get pulled out of it, you're like, I'm just, I have my number called, I gotta go. Now people volunteer for this thing. You mentioned about wanting to be a Marine. I wanted to be in the Air Force. Okay. I wanted to be a pilot, but glasses. Oh, good. You could have taken my ass wherever I wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, but the whole uh, glasses thing wouldn't have worked for me. Right. So we both have our reasons for not, and I think we're probably. If if my milit jokingly saying, if my military service would be the way I play Call of Duty right now, I'd have been dead a long time ago. Just saying. <laughs> And that is my joking part about this. But in all seriousness, no, it's a good song, and it's a very fitting tribute by Adkins. And a lot of country artists, including this one, are very patriotic. And I oh, love yeah, that. absolutely. Now, on a side note, I have to say, I know we've riffed on this before, but I'm going to do this again. How many goddamn lists does the Billboard have? Because this last song, Arlington, peaked at number two on the U.S. Billboard, bubbling under Hot 100. You know, I saw that, and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. The I'm bubbling not under that. list. Yeah. Seriously. That's bubbling why, under what? I don't know. My, ball, my balls? I don't know. It's hot out, you know. But <laughs> yeah, no, I it's, like I said, it's just, honestly, you can make a list of anything the billboard would probably take it. Yeah, I would I would think so. All right. So, so what do you got next? Next, we're going to go with little Toby Keith. And this song is called Made in America. Now, the song is a single off of 2001's Clancy's Tavern and was co-written by Toby Keith, Bobby Pinson, and actor-singer Scott Reeves. Keith told Billboard magazine that when they wrote the song in early 2010 and nearly left it off the album because all of the other patriotic songs that he's recorded. Pinson and Reeves were talking about buying American-made goods to help support the country, which made him get into the song, which made it into the song, I should say. The two thought it sounded like something Keith would do, so they brought it to him. The three finished it up, and it was included on the album. This is definitely pro-American and definitely patriotic. The song's message is about the dad who ain't prejudiced, he's just made in America, who'd spend a little bit more for American stuff to help keep the country the same one that he fought for in the service. I really appreciate the song. It definitely makes me, again, proud to call this country my home. And that's all I have to say about that one, so we're going to take a listen, then you can give me your 15.5 cents. All right. He's just 
Well, first of all, I want to thank you for the inflation of my opinion. But it's a song about the benefits of buying American or things made in America. Just a song about being proud of where you come from, the pride in things made in your country. It's not a bad thing. I think that if more people, you know, did this, looked this way, we might not be in the place where we are now as a country. You know, it's a great upbeat song. It's a lot of fun. It's right on the edge of the fields. If you read into it, it'll get you. Right. But if you just listen to it for the kind of the high-level overview, it's just a good Patriot song. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, really enjoy it. Really enjoy Toby Keith. And that takes me into my next song, which is Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. So we're, we're doubling up on Toby this week. The song was written in late 2001 and was inspired by Keith's father, Death in March 2001, as well as the September 11, 2001 attacks on the United States later that year. It was released in May 2002 as the lead single from the album Unleashed. The song topped the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks chart. On March 24, 2001, Keith's father, Herbert Keith Covell, was killed in a car accident. That event and the September 11, 2001 attacks prompted Keith to write the song Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, The Angry American. A song about his father's patriotism and faith in the USA. It took him 20 minutes to write the song. Keith declares that the song was written with reference to the war in Afghanistan, claiming to be indifferent on other conflicts. But you don't have to listen but once to the words to understand the song was strictly for Afghanistan. Now, and September 11th. Right. He says, I have no stance on the Iraq war, he continues. But the second that I say I have no stance there, I'm not smart enough to tell whether we should be there or not. At first, Keith refused to record the song and only sang it live in his concerts for military personnel. The reaction was so strong that the Commandant of the Marine Corps, James L. Jones, told Keith it was his duty as an American citizen to record the song. It's your job as an entertainer to lift the morale of the troops, Jones said to Keith. If you want to serve, that is what you can do. As the lead single from the album Unleashed, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, peaked at number one on the country charts over the weekend of July 4th. In a November 2003 interview with CBS, Keith gave his take on the song. It wasn't written for everybody. And when you write something from your heart, I had a dad that was a veteran, taught me how precious our freedom is. I was so angry when we were attacked here on American soil that it leaked out of me. You know, some people wept when they heard it. Some people got goosebumps. Some people were emotionally moved. Some cheered, turned their fists in the air. The song was the last song aired by the Armed Forces Radio Network in Baghdad prior to ceasing operations in Baghdad during the drawdown from Iraq. It was selected by servicemen who were pulled. Let's take a listen. When you hear Mother Freedom start a ring in her bell And it'll feel like the whole wide world is raining down on you All brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue This is just a song about what happens when you step into our world and our soil and attack us. You get more than your finger slapped. You get your ass kicked and you know how it happened. We have issues in this country. But one thing I never worry about is that we are more or less safe from attacks from the outside world. One thing we do well in this country is kick your country's ass. You know, and we may we may bend a few times, but the moment that something big happens, we're going to strike back. It's kind of going back to the don't tread on me thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, what was this? The, The whole... I don't know if it's attributed or misattributed, the whole waking a sleeping giant from Pearl Harbor. Oh, okay. I mean, I can't, like, Yamoto or something said something to the effect of that, and he realized that, hey, what happened next? We nuked him. Right. But after a little while, of course. But that being said, didn't we do this song already? I think this was part of the 
White episode. It could have been. Might have been. I don't know. But the song was written with pure and raw emotion. I mean, you already mentioned that. His dad just died. September 11th just happened. A bunch of, I'm going to say pusses, called the song fear-inducing and warmongering, but most people, myself included, strongly disagreed and felt the song is a great patriotic anthem. As you know, I'm not really a country guy, and I'm certainly not a fan of all of Toby's work. I don't think anybody's a fan of all of it. I don't think I don't think there's very few people that are a fan of any country artist's all of their work. Right, right. Because they all make dogs. Every artist makes some dogs. Oh, Absolutely. You know, but this is one of my favorites. I actually own the Unleashed album, if that's if that does, okay. surprises you. It does make someone swell with pride to be born and raised red, white, and blue. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, so what is your last one for today? My last one is The Stars and Stripes Forever by John Philip Sousa. Now, I saved this one from when we were doing marches because to me it's the epitome and definition of a patriotic piece of music. It's a military march composed by the American March King that is used in so many different things when dealing with America that you cannot think of the USA when you hear it. It was written in two parts. The music was composed on Christmas Day in 1896. Then the lyrics, yes, there are actually lyrics to this. Really? Were written, and and I was going to say, I didn't know that either, uh, were written in May of 1897. It was loved the first performance at Willow Grove Park in Pennsylvania in May of 1897. And by an act of Congress, it was officially made the National March of the U.S. Okay. Let's just take a quick listen to The Stars and Stripes Forever. Now, I love this march. This, to me, just makes me feel like you're right in the best place in the world, and if you were to prick your finger, you would bleed red, white, and blue. Just get, That's all I gotta say. Okay. So, this is a rousing song. It just oozes patriotism. You hear it a lot, like, during, you know, marches and fireworks and... and, and... Anything on the 4th of July. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a great piece of music, and it deserves its place in patriotic music. Now, I didn't write a lot about it either. I didn't know there were words to it. I didn't either. I'm looking at this going, wait, what words? And they actually have them, I think, on Wikipedia, and I'm just like, no, I'm not even going to bother with them because you don't need words. This is one that I think that if you added words to it, it would ruin it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, part of me is interested in hearing what the words are, or at least reading what the words are. Mm, yeah, okay. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody has talked about it, so. Probably, yeah. So anyway, let's get into the last song here. All right. So I'm doing the Star Spangled Banner, but I'm not just doing any version of the Star Spangled Banner. Don't don't don't. Yeah, no, this is the Jimi Hendrix played the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock in 1969. The Star Spangled Banner is the national anthem of the United States. The lyrics come from Defense of Fort McHenry, a poem written on September 14th, 1814, by the then 35-year-old lawyer and amateur poet Francis Scott Key. He was in jail, wasn't he? When he wrote uh, that? he was he was being held captive. Yes. After witnessing the bombardment of Fort McHenry by British ships of the Royal Navy in Baltimore Harbor during the Battle of Baltimore in the War of 1812, Key was inspired by the large U.S. flag with 15 stars and 15 stripes, known as the Star-Spangled Banner, flying triumphantly above the fort during the U.S. victory. The poem was set to the tune of a popular British song written by John Stafford Smith for the Anacreonic Anacreonitic Society, a men's social club in London, to Anacreon in Heaven, with various lyrics, was already popular in the United States. Set to Key's poem and renamed the Star-Spangled Banner, it soon became a well-known U.S. patriotic song. 
The Star-Spangled Banner was recognized for official use by the United States Navy in, 19, or in 1889 and by U.S. President Woodrow Wilson in 1916 and was made the national anthem by a congressional resolution on March 3, 1931. Way to go, Woody. Which was signed by President Herbert Hoover. Take off your hats and listen. Now, what Jimi Hendrix could do with guitar is an amazing thing. What he did to this song was also amazing. It was almost as if his guitar was singing the words of the song. He made it his song while sharing our song with us. I know not everyone was or is impressed by what he did. I, however, however, find find a lot of pride in what he did, and I really enjoyed it. What are your thoughts on this one, Lil? You know, and on this one here, um, every American knows this song. And every America should know this version of it. I mean, this flat-out period. This should be taught in school. I'm not going to argue with you there. You know, it was famously done at Woodstock in 69, which you did confirm. And I actually even wrote fact-check because I wasn't sure if the year was right. Speaking of the whole time machine thing, that'd be another thing I would love oh, to go to. Oh, I'd love to go to Hells, Woodstock. yes. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you could probably go there in your time machine and people were so strung out on acid, they'd be like, dude, I saw a time machine. No, you didn't. <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect thing. True, true. It was controversial at the time, but it's a great rendition by one of the one of the pioneers of guitar rock, period. No one can argue what he has done with guitar work, and I know you're a big guitar mark where I am. like solos and things like this, if they're done right, are amazing. He was he was great. It's a shame we lost with twenty seven he was the part of the twenty seven club. Correct. It's a shame we lost him when we did, but I honestly am glad that he's gone before he got corrupted. I can see what you're saying there, yeah. Because if it would have gone too much further, I think it would have gone bad. And it's kind of what is it? Who said the whole die young and leave a pretty corpse or something? To, you know which quote right, I'm talking yeah. about, though. I'm kind of glad that it happened like that so we remember his best. Yeah. Instead I, of like remembering Dylan when he's like 105 years old and he mumbles even worse than he already is. No, absolutely. So, yeah, so that kind of wraps this one up. Why don't we uh, get on with this whole trivia thing? Yeah, exactly. I already, uh, you know, did you already mark it right for me? I did, actually. <laughs> Because you answered that you're exactly right. It is Francis Scott Key, and the Anacreontic song was by a Briton, John Stafford, which is hilarious that it was written by a Briton. And well, it we was, did that a lot of times. You know, we stole stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then it was a gentleman's club was the song. It was a gentleman's club for amateur musicians in London. Okay. So it wasn't like a strip club because, I mean, what they do, like, raise their skirt a little bit back then? I mean... It, yeah, they might have showed you an ankle. Exactly, but... And maybe a plunging neckline, you like, like see, a, like, a collarbone or something. I have a feeling if somebody from back then were to come to see what kind of stuff is here today, they would probably, like, jizz in their pants immediately. Be like, <laughs> oh, no, dear lady, put that away. <laughs> you seem to be out. <laughs> yeah. So you are at 25 and 23, and... That's a good thing. So you got a little wiggle room, so you're not at 50%. Yeah, yeah. So... Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. If you want to drop us a line, let us know if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, you can drop us a line at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com or at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. And, you know, if you're more into the social media thing, you can do that as well. You can find us on Facebook at POI Network or Musically Challenged Podcast. 
Either way, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. And, you know, there's one more way. And that is on Twitter. If you want to go ahead and, you know, send us a playlist, 10 songs, 10 artists. If you want to have a theme, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Tell us you're swelling with American pride. Just tell us something. Just tell us something, exactly. And that's going to be at, you know, that little at sign thing, the, yeah. the A with a shell on it, with MC Podcast 17. Again, that's at MC Podcast 17. Give us love. Give us hate. Give us something. Yeah. And with that, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.